0: the Film Society of Lincoln Center. You're listening to The Close-Up. New York's Top Horror Festival returns this Friday for its 10th anniversary. Film Society of Lincoln Center's Scary Movies series brings you the genre's best from around the globe, with this year's lineup featuring a host of premieres and rediscoveries, guest appearances, and giveaways. The festival runs July 14th, through the 20th kicking off with the new york premiere of terrifier a gritty slasher throwback featuring the scariest clown to ever hit movie screens for tickets check out filmlink.org recently our editorial director michael Koreski sat down with programmers laura kern and rufus Duram to talk about this year's lineup following their conversation we'll go to a highlight from the 2014 edition of scary movies when our opening night selection was the hilarious horror mockumentary What We Do in the Shadows. Co-director Jemaine Clement, most commonly known as one half of the musical comedy duo Flight of the Concords, joined us for a Q&A moderated by former film comment editor Gavin Smith. Let's go now to our conversation with the programmers of Scary Movies 10, followed by the Q&A from opening night of Scary Movies 8.
1: My name is Michael Koreski. I'm editorial director here at Film Society of Lincoln Center. And we're here to talk about Scary Movies 10, which is the 10th anniversary edition of one of the best, I think ongoing series at Film Society and Lincoln Center and here to talk about this year's edition and maybe the history of Scary Movies, Scary Movies the Festival, not Scary Movies the Thing, um, are its two programmers and if you could please introduce yourselves.
2: I'm Laura Curran.
3: I'm Rufus Durham.
1: Thanks for talking to me about the series. I'm actually really excited about the series and as you guys know I really love Scary Movies. I was at the first Scary Movies festival back in 2002. It used to be at Halloween time, but this is the first time that we're doing a summer series, right?
3: Yes. I think last year we were closed uh for renovations, so we had to skip last year um but there was a decision made to try to move scary movies into the summer um give us more of an expansive slot to use instead of right after New York Film Festival, which was always kind of hard timing. Right around Halloween, but we saw plans to do things on Halloween, uh, as part of the scary movies umbrella, but we're kind of excited to move into the summer because we feel like, you know, I love watching scary movies all year round. Why not celebrate them in the summer too? Exactly.
1: And this is, it, this is a particularly exciting year. As I said, this is the 10th and, um, there are all sorts of fun things planned and we can get to that in a second. But first I was curious if, um, Either of you have seen like big shifts over the years and how the series is presented. I was looking back at the first lineup, which is back in 2002. And if people are doing the math in their head and they're confused, as I was, is because uh, there were some years there where there were no scary movies festivals. So that's why we're only at the 10th, even though it started in 2002. But I was looking back at the original lineup, which was great. And I remember being here for those because I remember it was the first time I ever saw Ring. I had never even heard of Ring and it really, really scared me. Um, But it looks like mostly those were classic films, like older films that the film society wanted to bring back and show people. Whereas this year, for example, it's really mostly new films. So is there a way that that's kind of changed over the years?
2: Yeah. I mean, it started mainly as a retrospective series and over the years, we've gradually, I feel like almost every year, we've made it more newer titles. Um, we realized as much as we loved all these old films, what was bringing in audiences was having new films and the guests here for Q and A's. And we just felt like that was the way to keep it fresh and new and exciting for audiences. But we still obviously love the older titles and program as much as we can.
3: It's also getting a little bit harder to find some of the older titles that we'd like to show, either due to rights issues or lack of prints. Um,
2: yeah, our wish list keeps growing, but we can't actually find these films. So. And we're still very set on showing prints, so certainly there's digital formats that we can show, but we'd prefer not to, if possible.
1: Yeah, I think that, well, that's one of the interesting things, I mean, that you have the new films and the old films, but unlike other festivals, as far as I can tell, this, is, this one really does a service to the genre, because horror films now seem like they're not getting much of a theatrical release at all. I would say there's I've seen Midnight, who actually is one of the sponsors of this year's festival, which is great. And they help give theatrical runs to some of these films. But for the most part, it seems like horror films are now just going straight to streaming and they don't feel like there's a distributors. Maybe don't feel like there's a theatrical audience for them.
3: I would agree. I think I think you do have the handful of like big studio horror films that get released generally in the summer or sometimes around Halloween. But those are mostly as we see with Hollywood sequels or remakes. And then most of these smaller movies either get a VOD release or not a release at all in the U.S., especially if it's a foreign film. Uh, Like several of the films we're showing, I don't think would ever get picked up for release here because they're a little bit smaller. They're not as well known but that's kind of why we program them because we want to champion the fact that there's people making great films in the horror genre pushing the horror the boundaries of I think what's considered horror all over the world and we don't really see that here celebrated
2: except when horror movies actually do come out they make tons of money at the box office so it actually doesn't really make sense that so many of them are just pushed out onto streaming when they probably would actually do significant business in theaters.
1: Also, don't you think that it's like the best way to watch a horror movie? Like
3: in a theater with an audience? Sure, absolutely. If it's the right audience. I think, I mean, in terms of like a film watching experience, I think almost horror is somewhat like a, almost a pure movie genre because there's such a, a physical and emotional direct reaction to what you're seeing on screen. I think that you can read a horror book or comic, and you might get some tingles on the back of your neck, but you're not, you don't have a visceral reaction as you do when you sing it on screen, especially when the entire audience is reacting in the same way.
2: And that's what's so fun about programming too, because obviously we've watched all of these films and mostly at home on our TVs. So now the thrill is to actually go and watch them on the big screen with audiences and see just their reaction to it. That's the satisfying part.
1: Yeah, I, f- I feel like I'm always watching i watch horror movies a lot and i love them i watch them at home and i watch them usually after my husband goes to bed because he doesn't like horror movies that much so i'm alone at like midnight that sounds familiar and this, (laughs) (laughs) this is true of so many people but it is a good way to watch them but i feel like i've been missing the whole theatrical communal experience of horror movies for years like when you know this festival comes along that's great that's exciting but even like, even say like the Duke or something that does get a theatrical run that it's successful. It's not quite the same thing because they play in small theaters. It's not really that kind of a joyous type film. I would say that the horror movies that tend to get released are like the quiet, shadowy, they sit inside you and you think about it days later type film as opposed to the big, fun, buoyant ex- th- or exuberant
3: th- yeah, horror films. I think especially nowadays because that seems to be the trend is, you know, like A24 did so well with The Witch and all these movies, and that seems to be the trend people want to, like, oh, we need to have some sort of, like, smart cerebral horror film, which I enjoy those movies, but you're missing out on sort of the fun of a slasher, maybe. I think the last time I saw a movie in theaters where there was that communal gut reaction was actually Get Out Mm -hmm. in a way that, it because it was blending comedy and horror in a way, and I know... (laughs) I know, Laura and I have differing opinions on
0: this movie. Don't get
3: me started. Uh, but it was really fun to watch in a movie theater because everybody was like reacting, sometimes verbally or audibly, to the screen. You know, I think that's that experience that everybody's after.
1: I had the same experience with Get Out, and I do like it more than Laura does. Um, so <laughs> she's not going to tell me to get out. I don't know, she looked <laughs> like <in> me like. <laughs> Are we going to talk about this? I I did like the film, and I did have a great experience with the audience. It was like an opening night Brooklyn audience. Though I felt like it was more of a comic suspense thriller reaction to the screen as opposed to like a genuine horror film. So it's hard for me to recall. Like I'm very excited about one of the movies that's going to be in this festival called Night of the Virgin. Oh, man. I can't wait to see it. That movie is so gross. (laughs) Right. So I've been hearing... I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of these films. I haven't seen these films yet. These are the programmers. So they've been basically uh, taunting me with, with these movies for a while because I've heard what they're about and that I'm going to be shocked or amazed or something. And I, I don't know. I'm particularly excited about that. So if you could maybe describe that one for the audience as best um, you can.
2: No. Actually, there's. <laughs> you can't describe it. You just have to watch it and... Yeah. I'm, like, terrified but so excited at the same time to see people's reaction I, to it. I think
3: there's going to be walkouts. There I...
2: very well might be walkouts. Yeah. It's extremely disgusting, yeah. but it's very smart, very funny.
3: Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a Spanish movie that starts off, like, a really weird sex comedy and quickly turns into something, like, early mike meets peter jackson meets like dark spanish horror comedy wow
1: <laughs> i'm excited about that i'm a big dead alive fan so when i heard that there was even the
3: kind of intimation of dead alive i was yes yeah. i mean it's it is splattertastic and also just to, there's some scenes in that that i've never seen in any other movie ever and I was disgusted. <laughs> so I hope the
1: yeah, audience likes I it.
2: I actually felt nauseous watching it, which never happens. And it's kind of exciting.
1: I love how this is, for some people, this is like the,
3: the ultimate I have to go. And then for others, it's like,
2: that's yeah,
1: it.
3: It's the bar. And I was like right on the line of like, I can't, I can't finish this. But I think people, I think... The surrounding story (laughs) is what kept me in. And I think overall, it's actually, it it transcends its sort of splatter roots to be something a little bit smarter and Mm. better than, you know, but it's also incredibly disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Practical effects we're talking? Yes. Okay. It's always grosser. Yeah. I mean, the opening night film too, Terrifier, which is a local filmmaker, Damien Leone, is also like a throwback to this like 80s practical effects slasher movies and there are some like really gross kills in this one too Mm -hmm. also the clown is the most terrifying clown ever put on screen i haven't seen the film but i have seen the clown
1: and i agree with you on that yeah i I can't even look at the pictures anymore
3: i mean it gives people i I had people complain to me when i shared it on facebook (laughs) (laughs) they're like you can't keep posting this clown picture it's too scary
2: i can't stop posting it (laughs) <laughs> and I'm terrified of clowns so this is extremely thrilling for me to kind of face my fears <laughs> well I mean we also have
3: the costume party clown costume party afterwards
1: oh yes talk about that so the opening night uh, is the movie is terrifier as you said and it's about a killer clown and apparently it's disgusting um, but there's also going to be
3: there's corpses, gonna be cakes, a, a clowns. Uh, clowns corpses and cakes uh, after party uh, any ticket a- holder to the film is more than welcome there's going to be booze and food and if you dress up as a clown uh we're gonna to try to give away a prize to the best dressed clown the that shows clown. the scariest clown and yeah, the best dressed clown is something different that's, that's yeah. in a suit, or something. which is almost scarier i don't know um and, and then uh yeah the the party's sponsored by ifc midnight Who's the sponsor for the whole series but it's sort of a good way we hope people show up as a good way to kick off the entire series and see it's i think it's the world premiere or this cut yeah yeah, this cut is the world premiere yeah it's a brand new cut that uh, hasn't been seen anywhere yet very exciting yeah
1: so are there other films in the festival that you think are at sticking with this idea of um like old style gore. Are there other gore films? Because I think the 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 ba- there's a nice balance. There's, there are the more suspense thrillers. There are some more cerebral films.
3: Well, I think I think the old the older slasher movies. Happy birthday to me. Bloody birthday has some killer party. There's some there's some decent gore in in those films. Um, I think the the other the other movies we have are. A, more of a mix offensive has some really good gore actually
2: offensive yeah, is also practice
3: or practical yeah effects.
2: there's some amazing amazing violence at, yeah <laughs> a horrible thing to say <laughs> Offen- well off- we have to be honest yeah, <laughs> this is but- what we're festivals all i about. mean
3: offensive is the it's a british film it's about uh the old couple that inherit a house and there's a gang of hooligan kids that terrify them and like everybody in the town is scared of these kids and it sort of becomes a get revenge yeah
2: extremely satisfying to watch but very very gory yeah i mean i hope people are cheering like i was practically cheering watching it alone at home so i really hope the audience gets into it as much
1: i do like those sorts of turning the tables revenge films especially when they're about hooligan kids
2: (laughs) and the couple is just so real and likable and you just like it breaks your heart watching them be terrorized in the beginning So,
3: yeah, we also realized that we have an undercurrent theme that was not intentional here about sort of home invasion type films. Um, Caught is one. You better watch out is another, uh, you know, offensive phobia, which is a woman who suffers from extreme agoraphobia and may or may not be haunted and may or may not be crazy and uh which is actually the best hindi horror movie we've seen in
2: a, a Maybe decade ever. yeah
3: wow that's exciting back to caught for a second laura you wrote about
1: caught for film comment recently could you explain that movie a little bit it sounds really intriguing
2: yeah i mean for us i think it was just felt like more of a discovery because it hasn't really it's shown at one other festival um and it's just—it's a very low-budget, small film, but it's—it's it's so intriguing. It's, I don't want to say too much about it because I think it's better to go in totally fresh. Home invasion movies are are everywhere these days, but this one just gives it like a fresh twist that makes it just different from all the rest. And I don't—I don't, I don't want to reveal reveal what that twist is. Okay, but.
3: That's enough. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm already really intrigued by that, too. Um, I'd like to say our other, the other discovery for me, uh, along with Caught, was actually uh, The Darkness, uh, which is a Mexican-Spanish-French co-production, I think. And it's, it's sort of this beautifully post-apocalyptic cabin-in-the-woods story uh, starring uh, Jordowski's son, And it's basically about this family who's like the world has stopped spinning and there's poisonous gas in the woods and there's a monster. And one day the father goes out with the older son and the son disappears and then the younger son has to figure out what happened. And it's a psychological horror thriller that's shot by the same uh, Diego Garcia who shot Neon Bowl in Cemetery of Splendor. So it's just Absolutely magnificent in, sure. in terms of cinematography.
1: It sounds like post-apocalyptic cabin in the woods movies are in vogue right now. They I, are, yeah. This,
2: but this one stands out. I think it's one. I think it might be the best one I've seen. Another one I can't wait to see on a big screen. It's beautiful.
1: Um, and what about Killing Ground? This is a movie that kind of made waves at Sundance for being shocking. Actually, is this would would this movie fall into the cerebral category or the slasher gore category, or is it? <sighs> a combination.
2: It's, I think it's a combination. It's it's a very disturbing movie to watch.
3: Yeah, we both watched it at Sundance, I believe. And it it stuck with me. It's it's a rape revenge movie without so much I like, don't
2: consider it that. I
3: okay. mean, the the trope I think is a rape revenge backwards horror but the it's kind of clinical and cold in a way and it it stays away from pure exploitation and it makes it worse mm. in some ways to watch and is more disturbing because you're a lot is there's a lot of the initial sort of attack that's left to your imagination mm. and it's also beautifully shot and there's some interesting cinematography uh choices
2: and the characters are, again, extremely likable. So you're just like fearing for their lives through the whole movie, which makes it just extremely tense and hard to watch.
1: This seems like an interesting thread that I'm picking up that you're talking about a lot, Laura, which is that you actually care about the characters in some of these movies. And that's kind of a, like a, almost like a standby of the horror film of the years that you have these like idiots, these dumb people who do dumb things and the audience inherently like roots against them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wants them to die but it doesn't sound like that's necessarily going on for no a and that's of these.
2: the key to a successful horror film is actually caring about these people's lives because if you don't care it's just fun and you're rooting for their deaths and this way you actually feel their pain and you definitely do in killing ground
1: you think that's the that that's what sets apart all the great horror films i mean i guess they're somewhere that they're so goofy over the top that it
3: characters don't matter as
1: much but like the great horror films seem like you truly care. stay with you I think yeah. Yeah.
3: And I think I mean of course there's some like Friday the 13th movies where you really don't care about any of the characters but it's just fun you know at that at that point in the series you really are just rooting for Jason Mm -hmm. and you're not rooting for the main characters. Um,
2: Yeah I mean that's the key to slasher films you just are waiting to see how people die and you don't care (laughs) about the people at all but a lot of these films are not, I mean, slasher films. I, I think Terrifier is probably the only one as far as the newer films that actually qualifies as a straight slasher film.
3: Right, but you still, I mean, the, the, you still care. I think Terrifier is interesting because the, the, main, the main girl, you still care about these characters in a way. Like, um, you're, not, you're not like, oh, I can't wait for you to get killed, mm. you know? There's still some sort of connection the, the selfie taking girl. Yeah, there's one girl
2: that you don't <laughs> care as much but
3: <laughs> cuz she takes a selfie with a clown, <laughs> right. right? Yeah, that she sort of deserves. <laughs> don't take selfies with strange clowns in pizza parlors at night. That's just a bad idea. That's one of the shots that I've seen cuz it's in our trailer and yeah, it, yeah. It But I think like things like well. caught and that's one of the reasons and offensive It's one of the reasons why for us when we were talking about these movies they work because you actually care about the central couple especially in offensive like it's an older couple that you really care about as you know
2: well that's I mean also because there's family is part of all of this there's babies in caught and in killing ground and stillborn so as soon as there's children introduced it just like throws up the terror level to so many degrees that it just makes it so much harder to watch but and even in Terrifier they, this, they introduce the sister character there's yeah, it's just it adds a whole layer
3: Darkness is all about a family I think I think you're I think part of this evolution in horror is actually making you know going beyond the dumb characters and now like the more interesting films like Final Girls sort of came out two years ago it's a parody It's sort of a parody of slashers, but it's also a slasher movie itself. And it's about a girl whose mother starred in a slasher movie. And then she somehow finds herself trapped in that slasher movie. And the reason why it works is because she's really smart and knows all, like, scream, knows all the tropes of horror. But the central tenant throughout the film is the love that she has for her mother and this sense of family and it becomes really actually affecting mm. um,
1: it, The 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 whole the self-conscious, you know people knowing that they're living in a horror movie kind of thing has been in vogue since Scream It seems like it's never really going away. So it's right. nice that there's a twist on yeah. that
3: And I think it's not so much as like Scream. It was very sort of You know, like almost like hipster meta you know, and there's still those kind of movies, but this one was much more because of this emotional twist. I actually cried in it. Yeah, so a trans- how often do you cry in horror movies? Yeah. true. I mean,
2: you know, yeah, you not see it, it, because you're scared. Exactly, because you're actually moved emotionally.
1: That's actually a good question. Can you think of any other times you've cried at horror movies? Like maybe you know, if great classics over the years, but even even those. It's I mean, I know prayer. people
2: who cry because they're horrified. I mean.
1: Right, but like from emotionally. my sister
2: came to Southbound and was crying after because she was so scared, and I, I think that movie's funny, so I you know. <laughs> right, things affect <laughs> people differently. Yeah. Yes, but no, I it's so rare that you're moved emotionally. What was that crocodile movie? Never mind. But there was one crocodile movie where you actually it's like three people who are like trapped in the trees while there's like crocodiles and. I think it's Blackwater. Yes, yeah, Blackwater. Yeah. I actually was moved by that.
1: Wow it wasn't Lake Placid That that's a real tearjerker no, no, tear no, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> I love
3: that movie but no <laughs> yeah
1: um just to backtrack a little bit so uh, as I said at the beginning I remember I've had some really good experiences at this festival I've seen some really great things I mean there have been some big premieres of things like Paranormal Activity was here back in 2009. That was a really great experience seeing that with an audience. And like I said, Ray's Ring, the original Japanese Ring, this was the first time I saw it, Ringu. Are there any things that have stood out for you over the years Is like your favorite scary movies moments?
2: I think when we screened The Loved Ones, that was the best experience. People were screaming and like covering their eyes. And that movie is the best to watch with an audience. And that was a film that for whatever reason, just didn't come out forever. And people were really dying to see it. So that, I think that was maybe the best experience besides What We Do in the Shadows, which was, that was what just I just one of said. my all-time favorite movies.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say What We Do in the Shadows, which we showed in 2014, uh, which was a premiere. And we had just a great, like the, it's probably one of the most fun times I've had with an audience watching a movie. And the director was here. And one of the, directors, yeah, one is of the directors is here Yeah, I also I mean I like the little moments like people freaking out about backcountry was fun which is the bear attack movie Oh. It's a very, very realistic bear attack, and it really freaked people out. Um, How is it? I haven't seen the film. How is it actually like accomplished in the film? Had they there's a pr- it- there's a real bear, and <laughs> okay. and then it's, it's practical it's pretty- effects, but it's really it's about a couple going out in the woods, and they are where they shouldn't be, and a bear attacks them, and the the wife or girlfriend has to survive, and but it's it's really horrifying. And people freaked out. Um, did they like leave or
1: f- did they just freak out like covering their eyes? Screaming? Oh, they were just
3: <laughs> freaking out, covering their eyes, screaming. And I think one or two people may have left, but um, that was another one of my favorite moments. And there's also, there's a good
1: balance of, over the years, there's been a good balance of these new films and maybe slightly more fun somebody might say campy older type films this year we have frogs which i i take it as one of the less serious films
3: <laughs> it's definitely really <laughs> 70s no it
2: depends yeah i have I, a sister who is terrified of frogs so but it, she i think would it's never watch it i think
3: it's great because frogs aren't the animals that are killing people
2: <laughs> yeah there's barely any actual frogs in the film yeah it's mostly <laughs> all type. the
3: other animals in the swamp and, and or woods and a lot of toads yeah
2: that maybe Snakes. they thought were frogs yeah. when they made it
3: <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's definitely worth uh, watching this it's movie entertaining. I mean, it's one of the weirder animal attack movies from that period where it seemed like every other movie was either an environmental horror film or an animal attack movie
1: yeah the 70s was just swarming as they say with those kinds of movies
3: right I
2: mean,
1: Yes.
3: they
2: should Which be war? around now um, yeah
3: prophecy Prophecy was one. Yeah, the swarm. Have you ever shown Prophecy in scary movies? We tried a couple years ago, I think. And this is a, this is a Schlesinger film from the late seventies. Am I, think I wrong? Frankenheimer. It sh- oh, it's Frankenheimer. Yeah, right, right. And it's about a giant mutated bear killing people in the woods because of uh, logging. For <laughs> some reason, message. environmental message. Um, but yeah, you have Food of the Gods. You have all the squirm which we did show, Slugs, which we showed. Um, I was actually too scared to come see Slugs
1: because I'm, I'm really disgusted by them. I, I mean, who is it, it? They're disgusting. That's, that's, that is.
3: Okay, so Slugs, I wanted to show because I it was a personal ki- a trauma of mine when I saw that movie when I was like eight or nine. Uh, my grandfather had left HBO on and had gone out and they just showed it on HBO, and they were showing it on HBO. And I was too scared to get up from the couch to turn the <laughs> channel because the remote was on the, the thing. And there might have been a slug on the remote. I didn't know, but it was. You know, watching it now, I love the movie because it's just ridiculous. It's about flesh-eating slugs. I mean, yeah. that was crazy. a great screening
2: to too. Yeah, a lot of laughter, in pieces and slugs. Um, people were having just a great time. <laughs>
1: Also, can we talk about the closing night of this year? So we have two films and they are connected by one of the people who worked on them, correct?
3: Yes, uh, so uh, Colin uh, Minahan uh, directed It Stains the Sand Red and then wrote and produced Stillborn. Okay, so can you explain the, these two movies?
1: What is It Stains the Sand's Red? <laughs> Let's start with that one. I'm getting the title right, I know it.
2: I know. You just got it wrong. Uh, oh, sorry. It stains the sands red. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's hard to get that straight. Um, that was something we watched early on, and I, it just grabbed me immediately. It's, zombie films, I think, are kind of tired, but this one just felt like it was a new approach. Um, it's set in the desert, and a zombie's just essentially stalking a girl through the desert, and they kind of develop this relationship but it's also, you know, an intense horror film as well, and it's beautiful. It's engaging. I yeah.
3: I think pretty much immediately when we saw it, we both wanted it, in. I think the especially. Um, yeah. The Brittany no Allen's ca- Brittany Allen's performance is really striking um, as sort of like a las vegas bar girl who has this weirdo stalker relationship with a zombie um mm-hmm. it actually does also gets pretty emotional in some ways and it's all takes place during the day in the desert pretty much and that's sort of rare for a zombie yeah, that's film. a great
1: idea yeah like the just basic description of that film
3: walking it's across al- the desert zombies chasing a woman a exactly and it's also one zombie and it's still horrifying. Mm. You know, typically in the zombie movies, especially if they're slow moving, the the horror comes from being slowly trapped by a horde of zombies. And this one is just this relentless pursuit by a single zombie that has latched onto this woman.
2: But a very slow moving pursuit. Yeah. Which is essential anyway in the desert because you're also feeling the heat and they're... Um, yeah, I don't even want to talk about it. I would think
1: there's not a lot of places to hide also. And no, weird. she
2: can like get on a rock where he can't get to her. But it's like, because there are nights too. It's like it goes sure. on for days. So it's like, how do I sleep? You know, and mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really fun to watch.
3: And then Stillborn, which you saw at Overlook, um, which I have not seen yet, um, which I'm very excited to see. I'm, as your co-programmer, <laughs> uh, you know, like... You me on I, <laughs> I, I did trust you. I said, absolutely, f- let's do it. And I was just curious what drew you to it.
2: I mean, I'm always immediately drawn to baby horror or motherhood horror. It's also a very emotional, intense experience. And it was given a special jury award there as being the scariest film. And it, I mean, people after the screening were like really jarred. It, which is unusual, but I think it's just because it hits so close to home with people just being about motherhood. And she is in the first scene, she's delivering what's supposed to be twins and loses one of the babies. And then, so it's like her dealing with being depressed over losing a baby, having postpartum. And then also she believes that there's like a demon trying to steal the other baby. And you don't know if she's losing her mind or if there actually is a demon. And, I'm not going to tell you the answer to that, but I'm actually very, very pleased with the choices they made. So,
1: Shades of Rosemary's Baby, of course, one of the most influential films. Which is sometimes I say it's my favorite horror film, and then I think no, it's The Shining, and then I think no, it's Psycho, obviously, and then I think no, it's obviously Jaws, but it's actually all four of them together, I guess.
3: I would say also uh, um, Silence of the Lambs, another. Great horror!
1: That, uh, For a future, now that you know we're all honoring Jonathan Demme, that would be a great future yeah. scary movies retro.
3: I also think Glen Gary Glen Ross is a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I th- I seem to be alone in that. Crusade. Well, I mean, if you're terrified of asshole men, it's yeah, I certainly mean, it's, a horror movie. It's pretty much like the worst of the white male privilege on screen. It's it's pretty desperate, and of course, we have to talk about
1: one of the cornerstones of the series if not the cornerstone which is this night with bob balaban who it, people know as a comic actor but he actually directed two satirical horror comedies i guess you could say that don't really get shown a lot and they're both being shown in 35 millimeter i believe yeah so why don't you talk about these
2: uh, this is just a night we've been trying to pull together for probably four years now but we just couldn't make it work with his schedule but these are just two films that kind of defined my childhood or early teenage years just films i found to be extremely funny i mean my boyfriend's back is more of a straight comedy whereas parents is definitely much darker and disturbing and
3: especially after we rewatched parents i hadn't seen it in a long time <laughs> Just so we booked this more off of memory and then we rewatched it. We're like, Oh my God, this is, this is really dark. Like, this is
2: way better than I even remembered. I Whereas, loved
3: parents growing up. I,
1: I watched parents with my parents. Like we rented it. It was like a Friday <laughs> night movie. And, and I remember them thinking, Oh, that was good. <laughs> Though I was totally shy. Nice family evening.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't think I ever watched it with my parents, but I think my boyfriend's back bonded me and my sisters. We all just, it kind of just hit our sense of humor and, I mean, it's definitely a movie that has been highly criticized. It's not very popular. I've gotten in many fights about it because people just, they don't get it. That's all there is to it. <laughs> they just don't what's not to get about how a, funny it is. What's
1: not to get about a zombie prom movie?
2: I mean, I just think it's one of the funniest movies. And I mean.
3: It was also these, these movies were showing both on 35 and they were pretty difficult. To get on prints There's not that many prints of these films Out there And I think parents is actually We're, sh- we're showing a Spanish subtitled print Because <laughs> it was the only print That was even Screenable wow. I mean there's another print but it's in too bad Like the, the condition is Like you can't even safely put it on a projector mm. um, So uh, And then my boyfriend's Back we got out of a Vault <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see these on the big screen. Me too. Especially with Bob there to uh, do a Q&A after parents, and then he's gonna introduce my boyfriends back. So it should be pretty exciting. And in case people who are just listening can't make the connection
1: in their heads between the name and the face, Bob Balaban is was in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He was in Absence of Malice, which is a movie that I really like with Paul Newman. He was on Seinfeld. He was the head of NBC when Jerry and George pitched their show. And he, he's in those Christopher Guest films. So he's mm-hmm. in. he was in Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show and, and A Mighty Wind. Oh, yeah. It was funny in A Mighty Wind. Yeah. yeah. He's great. It's like Bob Balladman. I saw him on the subway a few weeks ago, and I wanted to go up and talk to Everyone him, but I left him alone. Yeah,
3: and then you watch these movies that he's created. <laughs> yeah, like- I think that's <laughs> kind of one of my favorite things about doing this series is that you realize horror directors are usually like the nicest, sweetest people, and they direct the most horrible, <laughs> like, horrible <laughs> things on screen. And but they're the- all very sweet. The opposite's
1: often true. Right? Like, yeah, exactly. Horrible assholes directing lovely, graceful yeah. art films.
3: Just beautiful films that are just deep dives into the human experience and then you really just don't want to be on stage with people.
2: <laughs> yeah, because they're actually making films for audiences, mm-hmm. whereas I think a mm-hmm. lot of genres filmmakers are making them for themselves. So
1: That's a really great point. Thank you guys so much for talking about this series. Um, I think anyone who has even a passing interest in horror should come to this and I think people who are like horror devotees will not miss it and I'm close to being a horror devotee but I get easily squeamish so <laughs> I'll be watching some of these movies through my fingers
3: yeah maybe don't watch Night of the Virgin no definitely watch it that's the
2: one I'm most excited I'm gonna about I'm sit strangely. right next to you <laughs> I'll
1: never forget my friend in college made me watch Lucio Fulci's Zombie which oh, I was man. too scared to watch and she literally sat on me and pried my eyes open during the scene in which this woman's eyeball is pierced with this gigantic mm-hmm. wooden splint, but that's how it happened. I wouldn't have watched it if she hadn't done that. So and it was a great movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. When I saw Scream with my sister, she was she literally got under the, her seat in the theater. She was so scared. How do you get under the seat? <laughs> she <laughs> crawled. She was like hiding, and I was I was thrilled. I was like, "This is the most fun." And when I saw. Is that what we call? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: I don't know, <laughs>
2: you know, like don't breathe like the, one of the best movies last year. Yeah. I was more into watching the girl sitting next to me who was so terrified and was like, <laughs> like doing this nurse and covering her face the whole time, and I just... <laughs> that was like almost more entertaining than the movie but, yeah. so I'm hoping that there are experiences like that during scary movies
3: I think one of my now that we're talking about favorite horror movie watching experiences we went to go see Blair Witch Project when it came out and I grew up in a very small town in the woods and I went with my aunt and my mom and my my aunt was so scared we actually had to drive up onto her lawn and turn the high beats on so she could get from the car to the house <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah. Need
1: to see where she was going. Exactly. <laughs> Scary Movies 10 starts July 14th, and it runs through July 20th at the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey there, this is Eugene Hernandez, Deputy Director here at the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Thank you for listening to our podcast, The Close-Up. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to get new episodes delivered to you every week. You can also rate and review the show on iTunes, which will help us reach more cinephiles like you all around the world and help us make this podcast even better. Thanks again for listening, and now back to our show.
4: Please welcome back Jermaine Clement. Thank you. So um, now that you've made this film, are you sort of um, thinking about maybe doing more in this kind of area? I mean, like the werewolves would make a pretty interesting
5: documentary subject, wouldn't they? We have considered uh, what we do in the moonlight. uh, Yes, we have been talking about that, maybe. We'll see see what the interest is. We'll have to talk to the actual werewolves themselves. But uh, yeah, that would be great. I mean the disadvantage of that would be that there isn't really anything you can wear for protection
4: like you know a cross or something.
5: That's right. As you could see there with that cameraman who was mauled, they don't they don't give a shit if you're wearing a crucifix. They don't they they don't they don't recognize any religious insignia. You there's bullets but you have to kill them and that seems extreme. Silver bullets. Um also they're interesting once a month. Uh for 29 days, then they're just uh, working in their office and, and stuff like that. Well,
4: well, they seem to sort of have a kind of a little bit of a support group going
5: for them. They themselves. do. They have a network. I, I think it's a lot to deal with for, for anyone becoming a werewolf. Um, you mentioned a minute ago about Dave, the cameraman that, that got uh,
4: yeah. uh, killed. I mean, I mean uh, how did, you, what did how did you explain that to
5: his family? Um we tried to choose crew that didn't have much family. Um we he's the only one we caught on camera um dying. We we lost a few a lot of interns. <laughs> you may have noticed a big list of thank yous. Uh a lot of those also a lot of thing you know a lot of interns are virgins as well. So you really you you know We'd we'd have to do a head count at the end of the day, and the, quite often there was there was less than we started with, unfortunately, and um, so respect to their families.
4: What's uh, what's the reaction been in the in the I mean of the group that you filmed and of the vampire community in general? I
5: mean, how uh, divided as you can imagine, <laughs> divided. Some some saying it shouldn't be there. It's, we're a secret society. We are, we shouldn't be telling these uh, humans that we exist Um, some are saying it's great Um, everyone's expecting us to be uh, these Brad Pitt types and it's too much pressure
4: Did you like personally have a particular rapport with any of the the group
5: that you filmed? I I felt drawn to Vlad's love (laughs) there's something about him Um, That's magnetic, but uh, (laughs) I I loved, I loved all of the guys, all of of them. I I, I felt a lot for Jackie. Uh, We we thought she would never be made into a vampire. We thought it it just wasn't going to happen for her. That was a real coup for the film. That was. It was was great to. um, If only we'd captured that moment, but we didn't. You know, we weren't following it. But you can't capture everything. And um, before I turn the question over to
4: the audience, I mean. um, I, the other thing I'm just curious about is mm. was, it, was it difficult to get to win mm. their trust were there, mm-hmm. was there a moment when you felt like you finally mm. had that
5: breakthrough Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I, I suspect they were just using the crew for food <laughs> and uh, they didn't but after a while yeah they started to open up when they started talking about their relationships we thought we're, we're, on, we're making a connection here
4: alright questions out
5: there I think they've all forgotten the film, oh, yes, that happens. that does happen. yeah, you do it. you'd point to them, yeah <laughs> yeah, a vampirologist. just someone who um tells us how we should best deal with vampires, you know uh any good tips if you uh, just just the basic ones we all know, holy water um. Wash your underpants in holy water is what was the, w- what we would do um, regularly. Um, I- anything like that, um, and if you—he's a great vampirologist if you need one. If you should need one, David Lawrence. He also—he's um, also a theatre tutor as well.
4: Yeah, yeah. High concentration of undead in Wellington.
5: We were just. Those were the ones we were shooting. Um, there's, you know, 400,000 people, there's only about, there's I think it's up to 85 now. Um, Nick has been transforming a few people into, into vampires. He's gone crazy. He does it for pa- popularity points, it's really. Um, and then a lot, you know, a lot of vampires have been lost um, since the Twilight movies have come out because they think they're gonna sparkle in the sun, so. That's been a really unfortunate side effect of those movies, and we're really trying to educate people, saying, "Please do not take these. These are not documentaries. This is a movie. This is a what we do in the shadows is a documentary. This is the real story." Can you
0: talk about your choice not to cover the more popular uh, vampires like Dracula or Brad Pitt? Um,
5: Well, it, it was a. New Zealand documentary board film. So we, is because of that and because of budget, uh, <laughs> we didn't. We would have loved to have filmed Brad Pitt, but um, we t- we just didn't have the money. Also, I'd like to use this uh, while we're talking about Hollywood. Uh, we'd like to use this um, opportunity to speak out against the sport of vampire hunting. Uh, this is being practiced by Hollywood people um, such as Sarah, Sarah Michelle Geller, I believe her name is <laughs> Anthony Hopkins and the Australian known as Hugh Jackman <laughs> uh, and, and they're doing it for fun, they're doing it for pleasure they're posting pictures of themselves uh, and we want this stopped <laughs> these beautiful creatures <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't want to see any more of them die yeah
3: how do you justify
5: mm. I get asked that a lot. Well, what's the rest of this particular <laughs> question?
4: How do you justify
5: uh, telling the crew to not intervene when Peter was mm. going the flames? Yeah, mm. how, how do you justify not telling the crew to not intervene when Peter was going I heard, the flames? I heard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't! Wait, wait it, you, they it I have. Um, yeah, that's a great question, both of you. Um, it's. I mean, we're really we're there as um, documentarians. We're anthropologists. It's um, important that we don't interfere with the subculture that we're studying, and um, sometimes we just had to watch things like that, unfortunately. And we and uh, we did discuss shall we go in because it's not going to hurt us, and we decided for the to tell the truth instead, and sometimes it's ugly. Mm. they don't like that um, mm. did Nick actually show any you know, sort of modern vampires up to vampires? Like those TV shows? Uh, you, the, the, um, the vampires do watch uh, a lot of vampire movies but they have to have them edited they have to ha- have all the crucifixes and vampire deaths edited out so often it's quite a different story <laughs> often it's just a montage of Dracula um, just drinking blood and going to parties, um, and they're much shorter.
0: Given that Peter was an 8,000 year old
5: vampire, was mm. death a great loss to the vampire community, and, and why didn't you deal with that in the film? Uh, <laughs> we did, they, there was a ceremony, um, a, 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 a form of burial uh, that we did shoot. Um, we edited it out because we felt it was a bit of a bummer <laughs> but it will be available as a DVD extra. i uh, putting the big camera
4: on big screen
5: for You're f- one, Are you from Wellington? I am. Mm-hmm. I, t- I notice uh, dialect. I have very sad news. Um, the Big Kumara is no more. It's not a bar anymore. Um, so that's uh, that's Boogie Wonderland. They changed their name after we filmed there. It's not to do with us. It's not an association with us. But uh, after the popularity of the film in New Zealand, they've changed it back to Boogie Wonderland. But many of the places that we filmed in um, closed down soon afterwards. Did <laughs> uh, you? Film in pardon? You film in, in Glassons? I I don't actually know if we have permission to shoot the, the Glassons where our deacon is um, kind of humping the the photo. Uh, it's a local. It's what's that, what's the equivalent here? They have, great they have good cardigans. Yeah. So if you come to Wellington, it's, it can be a cold. You go head into Glassons and you get a very reasonable price cardigan. <laughs> Um probably between fifteen and nineteen dollars kind of thing like that. And uh they're all t- they're all kind of the latest style, but maybe not the best material. Well we have
4: got time for a couple more questions. I'm I'll glad th- we dealt any with that other. one. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Uh, you know what a lot of these communities we weren't even aware existed in Wellington until we started following this one and it just opened up a a rabbit's warren of uh, supernatural beings that we weren't even aware of Um, we would love to follow the witches it's not a sexist thing any particular reason that the werewolves weren't invited to the big party did they not get along with the zombies or the witches they will that party is organized by a uh, the vampire um, party board <laughs> 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 so they have a particular dislike they the uh there were two years that the um, werewolves were invited to the unholy masquerade, and apparently they just tore up the sh- the curtains they knocked over the tables y- urine everywhere they're always marking their territory. And it was a debacle, apparently. Um, So, not again, not again. All right, Jermaine, thanks very much. So welcome. Thank you.
0: The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Michael Oedmark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a non-profit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you.